Hey, bubs. Welcome back to Talkin' Snicked, the best podcast there is at what it does. And what it does best is talk about Wolverine. I am your host, Ryan, and I am so excited for the topic of the show tonight. I will be taking you guys through Wolverine Volume 1. This was a four-issue limited edition miniseries that came out in 1982, written by ex-scribe Chris Claremont with artwork from Frank Miller. Now, this series arguably defined this character more than any other depiction of Wolverine that we've ever had in the comic books or cartoons, TV, movies, anything. This is the Wolverine story. So, let's get to it. Should I call you Logan Weapon X? No, Wolverine! Wolverine. 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 As I mentioned in the open, this was a four-issue limited series from 1982. Now, this is the first time that fans ever got to see Wolverine no-holds-barred by himself. Up to this point, 1982, we had seen Wolverine in the comics for seven years, almost exclusively in the pages of X-Men. There had been a few brief appearances here and there. I mean, his first appearance especially was in the pages of The Incredible Hulk. But again, he wasn't the giant ubiquitous character that he is now. This is the story that really kind of kicked that whole thing off. And they didn't cheapen it by going back and telling his origin. They didn't cheapen it by going to the future and showing him fighting some version of the Incredible Hulk, you know, stuff like we're getting now. No, they told us a story that takes place in continuity. There was a time in the X-Men comics where Wolverine leaves the team, and he goes off on his own, and we don't see him in those pages. This is that story. And the story that Claremont and Miller tell here is something pretty special. And before I jump into the issue itself, I want to at least shout out the rest of the creative team. Now, I mentioned Chris Claremont here is the writer with pencils from Frank Miller, but we do have finishes from Joseph Rubenstein, lettering from Tom Orzachowski, colorist Glynis Ween, and Louise Jones editing. So all of these people collaborating together tell us this fantastic Wolverine story. Just the cover alone of issue number one is the stuff of legends. It's an image that if you're familiar with Wolverine at all, you've most likely seen. He's there in his classic costume with his hood down, smiling face, kind of giving you a look like, yeah, go ahead, bring it on. He's got one hand with his claws popped and the other hand he's using a finger to motion you forward. So kind of a playful Wolverine, kind of a Wolverine who doesn't really give a crap. So the first issue of the series, we get the line that everyone associates with Wolverine, and that's, I'm Wolverine. I'm the best there is at what I do, but what I do best isn't very nice. I mean, you've heard me say it on here before. I think anyone who talks about Wolverine has to talk about that, and 
this comic book is no different. It starts off right with that. And it's a story of Wolverine alone by himself in Canada. And you might recognize this part because it's also the opening from The Wolverine, the movie from, I want to say, 2013, 2014, maybe, uh, that has Wolverine going off on his own solo adventure. So he's in the Rocky Mountains, and he's tracking down a bear who is attacking humans. Eventually, he finds out that this bear has been poisoned, and he tracks down the hunters who poison the bear after, of course, he puts down the bear and makes sure that they see justice. And there's some pretty good action early on in this in this little uh, give and take here between Wolverine and the bear and then Wolverine and the hunters, but nothing like you're going to see here real soon. So I'm just going to gloss over this early part until it takes us to where he is now. And after tracking down these hunters and making sure they see justice, he returns to New York to Xavier's school. And he finds waiting for him there a pile of letters. Letters that he had been sending to Lady Mariko Yoshida, who he first met back in the pages of Uncanny X-Men number 118. The thing is, these are the letters that he sent to her. She didn't send anything back. They were all returned to him unread. So that sends a red flag up right away. He calls her embassy where she's working, the Japanese embassy there in the United States. She's not there. He calls her house. They hang up. So, naturally, the chivalrous man that he is jumps onto an airplane and flies straight to Tokyo. I actually like this idea, and it's something that you'll see come up later in the pages of Frank Miller's Sin City. Uh, it's a classic noir ploy for a damsel in distress, or at least for our protagonist to think there's a damsel in distress. If you've ever read That Yellow Bastard, it's uh, Sin City Volume 4, I believe, from Frank Miller. It's a trick that they use in that story uh, also to trick the protagonist, who is uh, Hardigan. Um, so again, you'll you'll see that come up, but uh, Chris Claremont and Frank Miller here don't pull any punches, and uh, you believe Wolverine when he sets off to find Lady Mariko. When he arrives in Japan, he's met with an old friend of his by the name of Asano, and he just kind of tells him, you know, be wary of what's going on with Clan Yoshida. There's stuff going on here that you might not understand. And Naturally, Wolverine's very pig-headed here and says, I don't know, it doesn't really matter to me. I'm going to go figure it out and save Mariko. And Asano has to break the news that Lady Mariko has been married. That doesn't sit well with Wolverine, as you can expect. So he goes to find her. And we get some cool action sequences here. We get him in the costume. He's sneaking up the walls of this, you know, Japanese ancestral palace here where Lady Mariko lives. And we really get a sense for this character, for the bestial side of this character, something that we haven't really seen come across yet, uh, at least not very much, in the pages of Uncanny X-Men. Now, I know that the Dark Phoenix saga and 
can't remember. I don't think Days of Future Past yet, but maybe uh, have both come out prior to Wolverine, so we might have seen him cutting loose then. But for the most part, this is a character that we know has an animal side. We know that he has a berserker side, but we haven't really seen too much of that bestial side on display. And so we get to see that here as he climbs up the side of the palace to find Lady Mariko. It's fitting that he finds her in the garden, as in the pages of Uncanny X-Men 118, when he first meets her, it is also in a garden. And he had mentions to her then that he thought it would be a place of solitude where he'd be able to reflect. And so this time when we find Lady Mariko, what is she doing but being alone and reflecting on her current situation? And finally Wolverine gets fed up with the fact that she's not looking at him. And he says, face me, and he turns her around and he sees that she has a black eye and she's got bruises on her face. And, of course, Wolverine has to freak out. He's ready to pop his claws. He's you know, baring his teeth. And Lady Mariko says, no, if you love me at all, you must leave this alone. This is what I have to do. I have to deal with this myself. And so Wolverine unable to understand perhaps Eastern culture and their sense of duty and their sense of honor tries to tell her that it's not okay. And Lady Mariko has to explain to Wolverine, no, this is fine. This is the situation that I'm in and I will get myself out of this. Uh, something that always struck me with Lady Mariko is as delicate as she comes across and even next to Wolverine, who we know canonically is a very small character as far as height wise, She's very strong. She has a very strong sense of character to her, and there's a silence to that strength that she really exudes. And Frank Miller does a good job expressing that in her body language and in her facial expressions in these few panels that we see where her and Wolverine are discussing her situation. Of course, it's at this time where Mariko's husband, Noburu, returns to find her and Wolverine together. And Wolverine can't help himself. He has to attack. And we get a, a really great pose here of Wolverine with his hood down, you know, as he's talking to Mariko, woman to man, and he picks up Noburo through the throat. And we get one of the best, one of my favorite Claremontisms here, which is, Bub, you've just signed your death warrant. Uh, if you've ever read Claremont's X-Men, then you'll know that that comes out a lot. That is one of Claremont's, go-to phrases and it's really fitting for the character of Wolverine especially at this time so he's holding the Boru up with one hand he's got his claws popped in the other ready to stab this guy and Mariko comes to his defense and says you can't do anything this is what it is and defeated Wolverine decides he's going to return home and he leaves and he barely gets the door shut before he's ambushed here. And you just see about five or six, you know, throwing stars stick into him. And the world goes black for Wolverine. And he realizes that the shuriken were poisoned. But we get a little exposition here. We find out that he has a mutant healing factor and his body is naturally able to counteract 
this poison and put a stop to whatever it is that it's doing to his body. And when he comes to, he appears to be in the Yoshida family dojo with Lady Mariko, her husband Noburo, and Mariko's father, Lord Shingen. And he tells Wolverine that Wolverine is not a man, that he's not worthy of Lady Mariko, that he understands that he loves Lady Mariko, but that he can never have her. And he challenges Wolverine to a duel with Bokan, which are wooden swords. So for all intents and purposes, this duel is for show. It is a test of skill. That's all that it is. At least that's all that it is in the eyes of Noburo and Lady Mariko. And that's important because of what happens next. But before we go into that, I just want to take a moment and talk about the artwork here. One of the things that Frank Miller does, especially in the pages of this miniseries, is he captures both the ferocity and the elegance of battle. I mean, most of the pages where we get these great action sequences are four or five panels at most. They're all wide shots. They're all wide panels. You know, panels are stacked on top of each other rather than side by side in different grids. It's across the top, then across the middle, then across the bottom, and everywhere in between. And Lord Shingen attacks Wolverine with a ferocity here. And at first he's toying with him. You know, he parries a blow here, he parries a blow there. But then he kicks Wolverine, which Wolverine takes as a sign that Lord Shingen is going to cheat. And it throws Wolverine off guard because Wolverine expected this to be an honorable duel, and it's not. But before Wolverine can really react, Lord Shingen hits him in various pressure points, which to the untrained eye, it might just be him landing blows against Wolverine. But to someone like Wolverine who knows, these blows were designed to paralyze and possibly kill him. So before he can do anything, before he can respond, his instincts take over and he pops his claws and he attacks Lord Shingen, not as a man, but as an animal. Even with his claws popped and him going over to a berserker rage, Lord Shingen here is still able to best him. Like I said, we get... There's about four pages here, 20 panels total of this duel, and this is just the first issue, and it's already amazing. I mean, this is some of the best Wolverine action we've seen, and I cannot oversell this enough. These pages are amazing. If you haven't read this story, don't listen to me talk about it. Go and read it. It's on Marvel Unlimited, and you can find trades of it anywhere. Amazon mycomicshop.com. Any of those places are going to have this in trade. You really need to do yourself a favor and read it because as lovingly as I can talk about this, I will not do it justice. There's a gravity to these poses. You see the momentum of each of these characters in the throes of battle, and it's unreal. So gushing aside, Lord Shingen bests Wolverine in combat here. The problem, though, isn't that Wolverine loses. The problem is that Wolverine fought like an animal. But he fought like an animal in front of Lady Mariko. 
as far as she's concerned, in Wolverine's eyes, she despises him. She feels that he is no longer an honorable man. He is a dishonorable animal. And he lets himself go. Lord Shingen is able to knock Wolverine unconscious. And again, we fade to black. This time, Wolverine comes to in an alleyway in Tokyo. And this is something that I, that I really love. And it'll come up later in the third, second or third issue when I'm talking about this. But this, in many ways, is a noir story. And noir stories are known for black and white. They're known for stark angles, you know, angles above the character, angles behind the character, angles that only give us a small view of the character and only his immediate surroundings. And they managed to pull that off with this too, but it takes place in Tokyo. And Tokyo is a city like New York or like Paris where it's known that even in the middle of the night, it is bright as day there. It's metropolis. There is always a light shining, and yet they still manage to use all these bright colors and still make you feel like you are watching a noir story unfold before your very eyes. It's really amazing what they do here. Anyway, Wolverine comes to on the streets of Tokyo, battered, broken, and alone. And naturally, there are some malcontents on the streets of Tokyo, probably some street gang members here. And they see this gaijin, you know, passed out, beaten up, and they think, all right, let's let's uh, let's rob this guy. And we get, you know, kind of the angry mob pose where we get a panel and it's just hands in the air with weapons. And then the very next panel is those hands have now dropped those weapons. And the page turns and it's Wolverine on the street with all these criminals dead around him. And in the shadows, a woman lifts Wolverine to his feet and says, you're mine, Wolverine, now and forever. And we don't know who this woman is, and the issue ends. So that's the first issue. I mean, a lot happens. And they've set up the villain, they've set up the sub-villain, and they've given our protagonist his goal. His goal here is to prove to the Lady Mariko and to Lord Shingen that he is worthy of her hand. That's all that matters at this point. And this was a great first issue. I wasn't even alive when this was published the first time, but I can only imagine the buzz in local comic shops when this issue dropped and the agony of having to wait for issue two. So jumping into issue two, again, this is another one with just this iconic cover. It's a blue background, and it's Wolverine diving through the air at the reader with his claws out. Just this look of rage and possibly even joy on his face. I just I really like that enigma of a look that's on his face while he's in this very ferocious pose. It is phenomenal. And the second issue picks up right where the first one left off. He is with this mystery woman in and out of consciousness and it starts off with her slapping him awake. Wolverine, wake up, Wolverine. And 
all that he can do is realize, well, this is a woman's voice, but I don't know who, and I'm in a lot of pain, and I have a good idea why, but he doesn't get to think on that much because we're shown now this mystery woman's face. We know it's not Mariko at this point, but we don't know who it is. She's in a room with Wolverine, and they're surrounded by ninjas. Yeah, I said that. Ninjas. Little red cloak, red hood wearing ninjas. They're armed with katana and bow and arrow. And Wolverine looks kind of amused. And the very next page, it's a double page spread. It's one of my favorite in this entire series. It's Wolverine diving through the window of his little apartment here, taking ninjas with him. And we get to see the wider shot of the rooftops in Tokyo. And they are just swarming with hand ninja. Oh, like ninja. Sorry, kind of spoiled that there. <laughs> and luckily, it doesn't take long for Mariko to tell us that they are hand, and that they're professional assassins. So, or sorry, not Mariko, Yukio. So she explains to Wolverine, I'm Yukio, and you owe me your life. These are the hand. They're professional assassins. And Wolverine's like, what the heck? You know, like, what did I stumble upon here? So, again, we get a few more pages of Frank Miller just giving us absolutely beautiful fighting. We see the ferocity here yet again of Logan going against these hand ninja. If, for those of you who don't know who the hand ninja are, uh, I highly recommend checking out the Netflix Marvel uh, series. There's a few of them. There's Daredevil. There's Luke Cage, there's Jessica Jones, there's Iron Fist. They just did their Avengers-style big crossover called The Defenders. But a lot of those storylines deal with the hand and who and what they are. So there's a few aspects about them that I don't really have to go into detail on in this story. All you have to know for now is that they're bad and that Wolverine's fighting them. Of course... Yukio is in the fight as well, and she's holding her own for a little while, but eventually the, the two of them get overwhelmed, and she is struck. And that's enough to make Wolverine pop his claws and pretty much just end the hand. And we get a few more sequences, another couple action sequences of Wolverine jumping through the air, fighting some ninjas. They really make use of silhouette here. A lot of this is happening at night, so we're getting a lot of dark blue and you know muted blue tones for the sky with you know on black or white foregrounds and it, it it really works it works for the story it works for the style of artwork that frank miller has and it's really good now wolverine's on the rooftop here yukio has fallen down into the alley and she's thinking to herself you know these are the world's finest killers the hand are no one to be trifled with you know wolverine doesn't stand a chance and then you hear the narration from wolverine saying they were good i'm the best and it's a page turn between they were good and I'm the best. And this panel on this page here is probably my most favorite panel of the entire series. It's a panel of Wolverine sort of hunched over. You see cuts and scrapes on his costume. He's bleeding. His claws are extended. There's blood on his claws. There's dead hand ninja at his feet. His face is shrouded in darkness. Only his eyes are lit up yellow. And the simple caption is, I'm the best. I mean, it's, I mean, that's Wolverine. That right there is Wolverine. No matter what the odds, no matter who he's going up against, 
he will fight and he will win. And he does here. So he takes Yukio with him back to his little apartment that he's staying in during his stay here in Japan. And we get a lot of conversation here. There's a lot of exposition being dropped. But it's Claremont, so it's good exposition. It all flows extremely well. And ultimately, she just kind of says that she ran afoul of a crime lord and these hand ninja were there to kill her. Of course, it's Wolverine, and he's recovering, so his shirt is off. Naturally, being the macho man that he is, women are just attracted to him. Um, I'm being facetious here if you don't get that from my tone. Uh, but Yu-Gi-Oh! does kind of put the moves on Wolverine, and you can tell that Wolverine's into it, at least physically, but he can't bring himself to be with Yukio. He he won't. And there's a reason. His heart belongs to Lady Mariko. And he knows it. So then we get an interlude after this little scene and we get this really fancy skyscraper in Tokyo's upper class Miguro district. And a woman appears wearing trench coat and a hat so we don't see her face and she comes in and she's talking to Lord Noburo saying I need to speak with Lord Shingen I'm going in now so she goes in and talks to Lord Shingen again reminder that was Lady Mariko's father and when she arrives we see that it is Yukio so she's here talking to Lord Shingen when surprise surprise a hand ninja appears and tries to fight her. She then defeats the ninja, choosing to let him live with the dishonor of being defeated by a superior adversary, in which she has a little exchange with Lord Shingen saying, you hired me to take the hand to Wolverine and to attack us so that I can gain Wolverine's favor, yet your hand ninja tried to kill me. This is unacceptable. Don't mit, don't let it happen again. You know she gives Shingen an ultimatum. Shingen then responds with a little threat of his own, saying, "Don't threaten me because I don't need you, and I can have the hand kill you anytime." So we're kind of getting the idea that Lord Shingen here is pretty bad, and even someone as awesome as Yukio is in over her head when dealing with Lord Shingen. <coughs> he then tells Lady Mar or excuse me, uh, Yukio here that he has a job for her and he could, she can make up her failures to him. There's a man named Katsuyori who is a business associate that he needs to be killed. And he says, take Wolverine and eliminate Katsuyori. And when Katsuyori is eliminated, then eliminate Wolverine. And knowing that she's overstepped her boundaries by coming here to begin with, she accepts the job. So now we cut out of this interlude and 
It's a scene with Yukio and Wolverine going to take out Katsuyori. She was able to convince Wolverine that Katsuyori was the man who sent the hand to kill her, and that the only way to save her is to kill Katsuyori. So again, this is another plot that we're going to see appear in a Frank Miller-written Sin City. Uh, the one that comes to mind here is A Dame to Kill For. Great story. It was actually adapted for Sin City 2, the movie. Uh, it was the first storyline. And it was, a good, it was a good story, but we kind of see the seeds of it here. And no offense to Dwight, but I think it works way better with Wolverine. But I'm biased, so. So we get some more scenes again with Wolverine and Yukio on the rooftops. We get to see that bestial side of Wolverine yet again as he silently stalks his prey the security that is around this theater. And then it brings us into the theater proper, and we see that Katsuyori is here with his wife. And it's not Lord Shingen, it's not a bunch of hand who are here, but he is here on, call it a business meeting, with Noburo and Lady Mariko. And so that gives Wolverine pause. Pause enough to watch the theater that they are also watching, which is traditional Japanese theater. It's kabuki. And of course, Chris Claremont, worldly man that he is, chooses uh, Chushingura, which is also known as the 47 Ronin. And so Wolverine gives us a little bit of background as far as what this story means, which naturally is metaphor for his own story. However, while watching this, he realizes that the leading kabuki actor, I guess, performer, uh, is in fact an assassin. And when he pulls his sword from his sheath, it is a real sword. And this man then lunges into the crowd towards Lady Mariko and her husband, Noburo. And Wolverine, without giving it a second thought, counteracts. And we get uh, one of those, you know, classic, they meet in midair, you hear the slashes of the sword, and you hear the clanging of the metal, and then they both land, and then one of them falls over dead. And, you know, we see that at the end of uh, Kill Bill Volume 1 with the showdown between the bride and Oren Ishii. And it is a typical thing that you see, especially in Japanese stories. So it's really cool to see that utilized here, as this is Wolverine's very first samurai story. Of course, when he slays the leading kabuki performer, the rest of them are shown to be ninja as well. And then we get a few more fantastic pages of Wolverine fighting all of these guys. But before we get that, Katsuyori, fearing that the attack was against him and not against Lady Mariko, decides to flee with his wife. Now, when they get outside of the theater, they find all of their guards dead, so they think that the only place they can run safely is into the car. And as soon as they're inside, the car blows up and Yukio has accomplished half of her mission, of course, which was to kill Katsuyori. Again, we get Wolverine fighting these ninja. We get a little bit of um, exposition here as he explains the limits of his healing factor. You see, back in 1982... Wolverine didn't realize that his healing factor was as good as it became much later on. I mean, there's 
instances later on in various comics where Wolverine is able to regenerate his entire body from one cell, which is a little ridiculous. Back in the 80s, especially in the 70s, his healing factor had limits, and it could be overwhelmed, and he kind of exposits a little bit about what those limits are here, but of course, he emerges victorious. Again, though, right in front of Lady Mariko, he has gone berserk again. He has slain, there's like 10 guys that he slays here, and Lady Mariko, bewildered and uh, disappointed perhaps, leaves, and Wolverine doesn't try to stop her. We get some narration here, and it's pretty sad. It's She turns and leaves without a word, without a backward glance. I let her go. Whatever we had, whatever we might have had, it's finished. So you just, I mean, you, you we have a silhouette of Wolverine bowing his head in agony as Lady Mariko walks away. And in the foreground, around the corner, Yukio is there, and she's happy. Logan's son, my beloved Wolverine, gotcha. And that's how issue two ends. And holy fleeping cow here. I mean, this two issues in has been just utterly phenomenal. Now, I didn't read this for the first time till I was in my early 20s, and it resonated with me, and it still does. And it, like I said after the first issue, I can only imagine how amazing this was for someone reading it month to month and how agonizing it must be. And speaking of that agony, we see it right here on the cover of Wolverine number three. No more Wolverine in his costume, no more Wolverine with his claws popped, fighting for his life and fighting for his love. No, we see beaten Wolverine. It's Logan in civilian clothes, and he's beaten. His head is slung down, his hands are in his lap, and everything about this. It's a black background, dark colors, bra uh, browns and grays and dark blues. And it's a sorrowful cover. And you get that right away. And the story is no different. Here's Wolverine telling us who he is again. I'm the best there is at what I do. He's giving you a little bit of rundown. I used to be a secret agent. Then I was a hero. Now I'm a drunk. And he's in a barroom brawl with a sumo wrestler. He's drunk and... Yukio is loving every minute of this. One thing that we can kind of get from this is that Yukio possibly has a death wish, and not just for herself, but for her friends and allies as well. She is a nihilistic force, and she's infected Wolverine with her nihilism as well. So here's Wolverine in the fight. The guy goes too far. Wolverine throws him through a window. But who's waiting outside? None other than Asano, Wolverine's friend who we saw way back in issue one. And he tells Wolverine, listen, someone is taking control of the Tokyo underworld and I need your help. Help me as a friend. And Yukio's there saying, I need you too, Wolverine. Don't go with him. Don't fight crime. Come with me. Let's just live life. And of course, Wolverine goes with Yukio. We see again just this great image of a bunch of ninjas on a rooftop as they stalk Wolverine and Yukio here. They wait, however. He says, wait, my brothers. 
the time is not yet ripe. So we know that they're still here to finish Wolverine off, possibly even Yukio, but they're going to wait for the right time. And of course, knowing Yukio, that time will be soon. She takes Wolverine to a train track. Now, I don't know if she knows how good Wolverine's healing factor is. We know that Wolverine doesn't know how good his healing factor is. And yet, there they are dancing on the train tracks until a bullet train comes through. And that's enough to make Wolverine go, you know, what is wrong with you? And all she can say is, you know, my only dream is to live life to the fullest, to make every moment count. And if I die, I want that death to be spectacular. But she's talking to no one. Wolverine has passed out from his drunken stupor. And while he's passed out, he dreams. And this is a really cool sequence. It's only two pages, and it's total metaphor for what's going on, but we get to see Wolverine as a samurai. And he comes to this ancient Japanese palatial manor here to entreat the lord of the castle for the hand of his daughter, in which they say, but you can't, you're an animal. So to prove that he's not an animal, he animalistically slaughters the entire people until he comes face to face with the lady of the castle who then says to him my love is for a man not a beast clad in human form who knows nothing of honor or duty or any of the beliefs i hold most dear worthy of me you are not even worthy of life and in this dream the anagram here for lady mariko shoots wolverine and we get this just this beautiful caption here which is i dream I weep. You know, oh, it's so good. And then we cut back to Wolverine and Yukio at the train station where the Hand have now made their move. And they have Yukio and they said, you were supposed to kill Wolverine, but you didn't. So we will give you one last chance. You kill him now or we kill you both. So Yukio says, okay, well, give me my knives and all do this and she walks over to Wolverine and then quickly she turns around and throws the knives into the hand killing them and she escapes she tries to wake up Wolverine to tell them that they need to run and Wolverine just says Marco and Yukio kicks him in the face and leaves leaves him there passed out on the trains with a bunch of dead hand ninjas around his body and she goes back to the apartment. Now, we don't know if it's her apartment or if it's someone else's apartment, but she's dressed in all black. She's kind of acting a little shady, like maybe she's ransacking the place. Maybe she's going to take all of Wolverine's money and say, you know, to heck with it, I'm out of here. And someone comes into the apartment, someone with a gun. And we don't see what happens. We just see a gun entering the room with Yukio there holding one of her throwing knives. And then it cuts back to Wolverine, who has woken up from his little drunken nap, seen the dead hand ninjas all over the place, sees that Yukio is missing, and returns to his apartment. But when he gets there, he finds the corpse of his friend, Asano, with one of Yukio's blades in his neck. Wolverine pulls the blade from his friend, recognizing the scent of Yukio on the blade, catching a whiff of something else here a familiar scent a scent that's been bugging him this whole time in fact it's the scent of a poison 
the same poison that was on the shuriken that hit him in the very first issue. And he realizes Yukio's been setting him up this whole time. And as if on cue, as soon as he discovers this, who shows up but Yukio? And she says, Logan? And he says, you'd better kill me now, Yukio. You won't get a second chance. And she flees. And Wolverine follows. And this is kind of what I was talking about back in um, issue one or issue two, where I'd mentioned that this is a noir-style comic. And yet, we get bright reds and yellows and blues, and we get pinks. And they don't let us forget that this is Tokyo. This is a city just like New York. It never sleeps. It is bright from day to night and again from night to day. There are billboards. There are colors everywhere. And yet, they still somehow manage to use that to their advantage. They have all these bright colors in the background, and they're able to put the foreground into shadow. So we just get outlines of Yukio and Wolverine here. And it's it's worked out so well. Of course, while Wolverine is pursuing her, and there's a little bit more exposition, I don't want to give it all away. I mean, yeah, I'm pretty much taking you through this whole story, but I'm just trying to leave some stuff so that you can go back and read it and get something out of it. So through this whole thing, Yukio comes to a little rooftop atrium, which she crashes through into a Zen garden. And Wolverine arrives hot on her tail, telling her that, you know, this is the end. I'm going to have to kill you. And suddenly he's ambushed by hand ninjas. It's like, how did he not see this coming? Like He just figured out that she's been playing him from the very start, and he doesn't suspect that she has a trap. He doesn't suspect that there's a reason why she chose that particular moment to return. But, eh, live and learn, I guess. You know, he was angry. His friend's just been killed. Someone's betrayed him, so he's not thinking straight. The Hand Ninja attack, and we get three more pages of amazing Frank Miller art here. Amazing fighting sequences, just amazing action. And believe it or not, Wolverine is able to defeat all the hand. But during the commotion of the battle, Yukio escapes. So that's it for issue three. It's all come to a head. It ends with Wolverine standing alone over the corpses of the hand and shrieking to himself in his own mind to Lord Shingen. You took my dreams from me, Shingen, but only for a time. Because I'm a man, Shingen, not a beast, a man. It's kind of petulant, but, you know, it's Wolverine, so whatever. And we're promised that it will conclude. And that takes us into the fourth issue here. Now, this is a great cover as well. Again, it's a little bit more upbeat than the other ones. It's got a bright green background. we got Wolverine there. He's wearing his costume. He's got a crossbow. He's lighting a cigarette. He looks determined. And that's exactly what we get. We get this amazing first page here with Wolverine in the shadows. And it's, I'm Wolverine. If you're smart, you don't want me for an enemy. I mean, it's just a perfect opening for an issue because Lord Shingen has now made Wolverine his enemy. And Wolverine's not going to back down without a fight. We get a few pages here of Wolverine 
taking down various parts of Lord Shingen's crime organization because, as it turns out, the clan Yoshida is a crime organization, and that is who has been taking control of Japan, and that is who Asano was trying to warn Wolverine about at the beginning of the third issue. We get an interlude here with Lord Shingen discussing with some of his lieutenants, and they're discussing the Wolverine problem, and Lord Shingen is saying, don't worry, we're going to take care of it, when this meeting is interrupted by his servant providing him with a box and saying, Lord Shingen, a package has arrived. When they open it, there's the hoods of dead ninja and a note that says, tonight. And Lord Shingen says, well, we need the hand yet again. And that's how the interlude ends. Then we get a nice little scene here of Wolverine. And this one is another thing that reminds me of Frank Miller from Sin City. So something that he borrowed and took over there with him. The scene in The Hard Goodbye where Marv is kind of going over his uh, his arsenal. All the things that he's gotten from the pawn shop. And we kind of get a little shot of that here too. We get a lot of exposition from Wolverine pretty much summing up the entire first three issues. And what his plan is for this issue. Uh, and all the while we get shots of all of his weaponry and it's a lot and then before he can attack we go to yet another interlude and this time it's lady mariko and we get to see the anguish that she's going through despite the dishonor that she's witnessed wolverine commit she loves him and she knows that even though he's dishonorable he was tricked into those situations and she realizes that she's duty bound to follow her husband and her father but they bring shame on the family and she doesn't know what to do. Just a really poignant little scene of of the struggle that Lady Mariko goes through. You know, we kind of write her off as the damsel of the story or the MacGuffin of the story. She's just there to give Wolverine a purpose. But no, she has agency, and she is feeling what is going on here as well. And this is going to come back again at the end. So I love that Claremont threw this in here. He couldn't have done it any earlier because she had to witness the dishonor that Wolverine suffers before she can really come to this point. So a good, quick little one-page interlude, and then it's back to Yukio. And Yukio, like Wolverine, is going through and attacking the hand, but unfortunately they capture her and they bring her back to Lord Shingen. And Lord Shingen is about to kill Yukio. He gives her the chance. He says, you know, you're such a great fighter, and I hate that I have to kill you, but I'll give you the chance to earn your freedom so I don't at least have to kill you, but you have to beat me. And, you know, he tells her that her fighting is flawless, but only after about three punches, he's able to knock her down, and he's about to kill her when he's interrupted by his guards. And they say, you know, the sentries aren't checking in. The radio is silent. So Shingen says, you know, hey, people on the radio report. And then we just get panel after panel of dead ninjas. And we know Wolverine is here. And we are almost through with this amazing story. So realizing that Wolverine is there, Noburu takes Lady Mariko and he says, to heck with this, I'm getting out of here. But Wolverine appears. And he says, leave her alone. She does not want to be with you. And naturally, Noboru turns the gun on Wolverine, shoots at him, and then we just get a panel of thunk, 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 and there's pain on his face, and there's red, 
and we see that he has three knives in his back, and Lady Yukio has killed Noburu. This is just a great moment. It's naturally it's what she would do, you know. Um, she loves Wolverine. She knows that Wolverine loves Lady Mariko, and she does the only thing that she can do at this point, which is come to Wolverine's aid. So she walks up to Lady Mariko and she slices off her obi. I'm pretty sure it's called an obi. It's the uh, the, s- the sash that you wear around a ceremonial kimono. Uh, if it's not an obi, let me know, but I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. Anywho, she slices it off, she wraps it around Wolverine's shoulders, and she says, you know, I would love to stay and fight this fight with you. And Wolverine says, you can't. And she goes. So now we have the final showdown. There's nobody left, just Wolverine and Lord Shingen. And this is by far the most brutal and ferocious sequence we've seen in this miniseries yet. And it's definitely Frank Miller at his best. I've gushed about his artwork in the first few issues so far, talking about the grasp that he has on the action sequences and the gravity that these characters have and the momentum. But you really see that here. You not only get that, but you also get the strength of these characters and the masterful ways that Lord Shingen is able to wield his sword and Wolverine fights with his claws as well and we get you know four pages here of just phenomenal fighting and it ends in such a perfect way Lord Shingen is able to impale Wolverine on the sword but he pulls it out and swipes at Wolverine's neck which Wolverine has reminded us throughout the series that his bones are laced with adamantium that is a metal that is virtually indestructible so this sword cannot sever his head it'll hit his bones and it'll stop and it does wolverine grabs the sword with one hand and he reaches out and he grabs lord shingen by the collar with the other and his fist is mere inches away from lord shingen's face and the look that frank miller puts on his face here uh, just a look of defiance and hatred and then it cuts back to wolverine and it's just a close-up of his eyes which are now red And the panel has one word, snicked. Oh, it's so good. And the next panel is Lady Mariko coming into the dojo. She's coming into the area, and she sees that Lord Shingen has been slayed and that Wolverine is there. So without a word, Lady Mariko pulls the blade from her father's hands or maybe just picks it up off the ground. Probably more ceremonial if she were to pull it from his hands, though. Uh, So she takes the blade and she comes to Wolverine and she gives him a brief history. She tells him the history of the sword and what it means to her family and what it means to the Code of Bushido and what it means to be a samurai. And she presents the blade to Wolverine and says, this sword is yours. And of course, Wolverine says, you know, I'm unworthy. And she says, no, of course you're worthy. And that's it. Wolverine knows that he's done what he set out to do. He has won the heart of Lady Mariko. He has freed her from this duty that she had. She has managed to empower him to do so. And they come together and embrace. And it's just this gorgeous shot of 
these figures holding each other and they're blue and the background is black and you can see Wolverine's silhouette holding the sword and the sword is shining. I mean, it's nighttime. There's no light anywhere. And yet we get just this glint off the sword. And that's how that scene ends. And the very last page of the story, it's back at the Xavier School and it's giving us a heads up of what's going on with Wolverine and what's going on with the X-Men. And, you know, we get to see all of our favorite X-Men, Colossus, Kitty Pride, uh, Storm, Nightcrawler, and Cyclops. And they've received a letter from Wolverine. And it's an invitation to the marriage of Logan and Lady Mariko. And on the invitation, Wolverine himself has written, Hey, Elf. Don't forget the beer. I mean, it's it's perfect. It is a extremely fitting ending to what is an amazing Wolverine story. This is the definitive Wolverine story. There's no question about it. I mean, there are a lot of stories that have added to the character, that have built upon the character. Many of them take place within the pages of X-Men. Others have taken place in other anthological series. And none of them hit like this one does. This is an elegant story. It is Chris Claremont at his best. It is wordy, but in an elegant manner. The story that's being told is told through Wolverine's voice, which is something that at this point we hadn't heard yet. And even to this day, to get a story that is this purely Wolverine is refreshing. It's not something that we get that often. I cannot say enough good things about this. I hope that you guys have enjoyed going through this story with me issue by issue. I hope that <laughs> I didn't spoil too much. I realize now I forgot to put a spoiler warning at the beginning. So if anyone listened to this that planned to read Wolverine and hadn't yet, I do apologize. But I mean, come on. If you're Wolverine fans, you've probably read this story. So I had a great time. I hope to continue with this podcast and keep this going. There are so many more great Wolverine stories to talk about with you. At not just comic books. We, there's movies, there's cartoon series, there's more action figures, there's video games, there's board games, there's so much to discuss when it comes to Wolverine. I'm probably going to go through a few more comic book stories, at least the ones that mean the most to me. Uh, send me a request on Twitter and I'll give you my top five. You can find me. I operate the, the Twitter for the show. It's at Talkin' Snick, that's T-A-L-K-I-N-S-N-I-K-T, at Talkin' Snicked. You can also reach me at email. I am TalkSnicked at gmail.com. So it's just T-A, uh, pardon me, just T-A-L-K, Snicked at gmail.com. Let me know what you thought of the episode. Let me know what you think of this series. Let me know what else you'd want to see in a Wolverine podcast. But most importantly, let's just chat. Let's just have a good time. I love talking Wolverine. Love talking X-Men. If you like the show, make sure that you subscribe. Hopefully in a few more Wolverine Wednesdays, you'll have another episode waiting for you. I am on Apple Podcasts slash iTunes, or you can find me on Google Play. So until next time, bubs.